we'll be looking in the mirror. Now, today when we look in that mirror, do we see God's masterpiece or do we see the flesh? Now, I went into looking in the mirror after I talked about what? Floating, right? See, what stops us from floating is flesh. So we, we feed our flesh with the flesh listens to the music it wants, it, it, it smokes what it wants, it drinks what it wants, and we call it casual, you know, or recreational. But we don't realize the effect of that is when we get around the presence of God, we can't pick up on that signal. So we can't float. We can't just lift our hands up. We can't yield. Sometimes some of us haven't cried in years because we can't cry, right? Because the flesh won't let you, Right? Right? Flesh won't let you uh, stay broken. When was the last time you just, you know, just did one of those? You know what I'm saying? You know, you just walking, we just walking. Ah! You know, when's the last time you just let go and looked foolish? Well, you can't do that because the flesh won't let you. Right? So when you look into the mirror, is all you see is your brain, your understanding. And all you see is your hands, your control. All you see is your feet that you use to run. Or do you see your heart that you've given to yield? All right, so that's our mirror lesson for the day, okay? All right, we good? What am I supposed to be teaching? God's masterpiece, right? We're talking about God's masterpiece. All right, let's... Uh, Let's, uh, we ended last week just talking about, uh, I think we, I don't know if we ended, but I know we referenced, you know, how Mary and Martha, you know, Martha was cumbered about doing so much good deeds, you know, work, things that gives you significance. That Martha boy, she can serve. That Martha boy, you can depend on her, Right? And then she, but, 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 but Martha was doing things with the wrong motive. And the way we can tell is, what Mary doing? Right? She's like, well, Master, get Mary to come and participate what I'm doing. She really was saying, hey, look at what I'm doing. And you read it, you be like, I don't understand. See, if you're really doing what God tells you to do to, to the glory of God, you can care less who's helping. If you're supposed to get the blessing, you get the blessing all by yourself. But when you get bothered and offended because nobody else is coming to help or nobody else is participating, it's testing your motive. Right? And what it said, Mary was doing something, though. In that moment, she recognized the needful thing. Now, in the midst of all our significance and all our service and all our good deeds and all our work and all our double overtime, triple overtime, and all our, you know, proving that we're more valuable than everybody else, are we, do we recognize the needful thing? So, in the midst of all that, can we stop and spend time in God's face? Like, I, I, I've been watching, I even, I've been studying from leaders to ministers to everybody, and I watch sometimes even some of the most solid people in the world can't float. They can't float because they're scripted. They don't know how to yield. They can't be led by the Spirit, right? And why? Because when they look in that mirror, they see flesh too. 
All right, stay with me, stay with me. Not putting nobody down, but we're trying to get everybody locked in today. All right. So me and my wife, uh, we ended up in Charlotte by way of Columbus, Ohio. That's where my wife's from, and that's where God sent me to get her, right, from New Jersey. So we, we, we met. Uh, I was going to a particular church, just started going there. Uh, that summer, by the end of that year, we joined together, you know. Um, and then uh, we went there for 18 years. So, we, so that means 18 years, there were storms, there was winds, there was misunderstanding, there was people hating, there was sabotage, there was people loving, there was people teaching, and then there was people um, tripping. So you get it all in 18 years. Just like 18 years in your family, everybody was walking on water in your family. You know, some people lost their minds in their family. He was like, I didn't see nobody lose their mind because it was you. <laughs> right? right? So, so, same thing growing in the church family. People don't come ready-made. They're, they're, they're growing together. Right? So, when God tells you to commit to, a, to a, a, a house, he's really trying to build his masterpiece and he's putting you in the right environment for it to happen. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. You're going to have to navigate through some things. You have to learn some things, right? You got to deal with some tests and trials. And so, so somebody can look at, okay, these guys spent 18 years, so I'm going to do 18 years. So they can mimic the time and miss the details. See, see, you can mimic and talk the time, miss the details. Pastor Mel told me to repeat it, right? And so the details are in the strokes of the masterpiece. So you can look on the outside and say, well, I'm doing exactly what I saw them do. But you're missing the details. Right? You're missing the quiet times a lot. Lord, am I tripping? You're missing the first time I seen the pastor do something I ain't never seen the whole time I was at the church. And I was like, and, and, and the person was crushed, broke down crying. And this is when I, so now I'm, I'm serving from the outside, Right? Then I get tied in, so I'm serving from the inside, right? Then I grow to now I'm, I'm a volunteer, but I'm a volunteer that's almost like an employee because I have to come to the church office hours to take care of stuff, either counseling. I was on a counseling team as a volunteer. Um, I ran a, a, a program, so I had to come and get checks to pay for stuff. So when I show up in these moments, now I'm dealing with the everyday and the during the day. So this particular day, I saw this particular young lady broken. And I'm like, my first thought, but the pastor, I know, well, how could he do anything that will crush somebody like that? So when I told my wife in that moment, it's about 30 seconds, 30 seconds, I started the question, okay, wait a minute, am I in the right place? Just for that 30 seconds, because it, it was different from my expectations, right? Nobody saw that. That's not going to be in the script when you look through the 18 years, you know? She knows it, but everybody don't know. There's a couple of things that happened that I had to, I, matter of fact, I remember I was, I'm a, I'm a type of person in my life, some of y'all could relate to this, if it get crazy, I just blow the whole thing up. I've shared that before. Oh, oh I, I had my hand, you know, like in, in, uh, you going to the bank and they got a button just in case you're robbing the bank. So I had a self-destruct button. Please come anywhere near me and, and think you're going to hurt me. We, we all going down. 
We all going down right now. What? Cut what? There's a little bit too much extra truth right now. I ain't trying to. You say another truth. See, now I'll blow this whole thing up. And I will blow it up and start completely over without complaint. I would handle whatever consequences. Because I knew when I hit that button, there was going to be consequences. And I would deal with it. Well, I'm at the church and something happens and I was like, oh no, sweetheart, I don't need this and I don't need them. What am I saying? Oh, we about to blow this whole thing up. At this particular time, 15 years in. And my wife was like, no, I'll be fine. I said, well, there's no dream without you. I ain't trying to get to where, what I'm purposed to do at your expense. We rolling together. So we just going to blow this thing up. And God said, so I told God, I said, God, I'm, I'm blowing it up. He said, no, 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 I need you to go beyond that. He says, this, he says, I don't think you understand. This ain't the blow it up time. This is to endure even when it seems unfair and it's excruciating and it's undeserved. And it seems like it's not going to be a favorable outcome. I need you to press through. Joseph did it. Right? And so I did. Thank God I did. <laughs> yeah, thank God I did. All right? And so again, but see, you, don't, you, you, you can mimic the time, but not the details. Right? Um, I mean, tomorrow, we were, uh, we were going over something, I think, in, uh, in uh, Bible Study Fellowship, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m., Monday through Friday on the conference line. So we were going through it, and Ms. Lamar said he had, uh, oh, no, on Mondays, we go over Sunday's message. So it was a Monday, we was going over Sunday's message. He said, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, our historian at the church is who? Anybody know? Minister Lamar. Minister Lamar Lamar knows stuff about stuff none of us would ever think of. Only people on Jeopardy would know, right? Um, but it's some good information. So he said, you know, they've, they found paintings where when they peeled off the painting, underneath was a masterpiece, right? And, and so I was thinking about how we show up as a messy piece. And if we allow God to peel some things off, then he can reveal his masterpiece, Right? And so I was thinking about stuff like, you know, I was thinking about like Mount Rushmore. You know, how long do you think it t- took them to do that? A couple days? A couple years? What'd you say? No, no. Our historian said decade. decades or decade. Decades, plural. So that's 20 years, right? For Mount Rushmore, right? I, I, I don't know if that's specific, but it wasn't last week wasn't two weeks from now. So suppose you're a Mount Rushmore. How, would it, how long would it take for God to finish that masterpiece? Right? But if you look at yourself as just a little stone, right, you're frustrated that, you know, you're not carved out already. You're mad at God. I don't understand why I'm not this seen as a masterpiece. God is saying because... Oh, it's going to take time for this. All right? You, you with me? And so, <laughs> sometimes we can find ourselves posturing, acting, or looking holy, uh, going out ahead of God. 
not trusting his holiness to hit us genuinely. So we come into the kingdom looking for holy, if, if we're honest with ourselves. We come into church, we're not looking for the world. Even though sometimes if, we're, if we get uh, something from the world, we go, man, you know, I like this church. You know what I'm saying? See, you know what I'm saying? They down to earth. No, no, no. You don't want a church that's down to earth. You want some, a church that's up in heaven. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want a down to earth. I'm down to earth. <laughs> I don't need that. I need something I don't have, right? All right, stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. All right. So, uh, Isaiah 65, you can write it down, uh, 15 to 25. I, I'm just going to run, read through it real quick for the sake of time, okay? But I wanted you to have the scripture. It says, and you shall leave, uh, leave your name for a curse unto my chosen, for the Lord God shall slay thee and, and call his servants by another name. That, that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth, right? It says, he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. All these things saying playing off of God, right? Because the former troubles are forgotten, right? And because they are hid from mine eyes. Now, now he's opened things up by saying, hey, now that you operate, play off of me. Whether you swear, whether you bless, you're playing off of me. It's saying the former troubles are forgotten. The former troubles are when we were trying to bless ourselves, swear by ourselves. But now, but I'm not rolling like that now. I'm playing off of God, right? Off of his masterpiece as we've been talking about, right? It says, uh, it says, for behold, look, look, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. So, so, so again, we're still trying to drag, whether it's our sororities, our fraternities, we're still trying to drag our old life. You know, when I was a baller, like, like we're, we're still trying to drag, well, I did make that mistake. This is another opportunity for me to fix that mistake. We're still dragging the former, playing off of the former. Sometimes are we trying to get God's masterpiece or are we trying to excuse our messy piece? Right? You, you know what I mean by excuse our messy piece? I didn't really mess up. Well, you know, when I really started to embrace God's masterpiece, I just embraced the reality I blew it. Or I embraced the reality that I might have missed the window for whatever I was trying to do. Listen, I'll share this with you transparently. Uh, I've shared this in Ohio when I was ministering, but I remember when I got the revelation and the Lord showed me how I invested too much time in basketball. Now, now, this was my justification. I was good at it. Not because I thought I was good. People told me I was good. Whether scouts, coaches, pros, whatever, people told me I was good. And whether I was playing against some of these people, people started telling me I was good. I was a late bloomer. So in the early years, I was, I was sorry, you know, because I, I, I had foster parents. They were like grandparents. So I didn't have that start other people had, you know. I ain't had a big brother or the father that was taking me to camps and stuff like that. You know, I'm trying to figure out, everybody else went to camp in the hood. And so I would learn from them when they came back. Cause you know, people be bragging, uh, y'all went to five star and they taught me this. I was like, they taught you what? 
Then I would learn that. Then it was like, hey, yeah, and they showed me this. What? You know, the slow fake is the best fake. Pete Maverick. Really? So I was taking pieces of what they got because nobody t- took me, right? And so, so I'm late. And so now I'm constantly trying to achieve this particular goal, right? But I spent so much time. Now, what was I called on purpose to do? What I do now? Now, imagine if I took some of that time, I really want to say most of that time, and prepared myself for what I do now. I've been doing what I do now a whole lot sooner. Are y'all still think I'm talking about me? Oh, okay, all right. So it's like, like through all the testing trials, I could have been touching that dream every day, right? Investing in my calling and purpose. But no, I'm trying to justify I didn't make a mistake or I could, in the world, someone could say, look, you didn't fail. I say that loud. You didn't fail. Do you understand you can achieve that goal? And you, you're still in the failure category if it's not God's masterpiece? And then it's even more, more of a failure because you don't wasted time that you could have been invested in what? Yielding to God's masterpiece. All right? All right, so y'all can read the rest of the scripture for, you, for yourself. I don't want to get too much into that. But let's get in. Uh, we've been referencing Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. All right? And so it's... Uh, uh, walk circumspectly, right? Ephesians 5.15, right? It says, see that you what? Walk circumspectly. That's being intentional in what you do, right? And then uh, 16 says, and redeem the time. Maximize your moments, which we just finished talking about. Sometimes we could do things that are noble and things that are good, right? Or things that are successful, things that give you Props. Do they still use props in 2024? They do? Uh, I'm not asking you. You, you ain't that far from my generation. I, Janae said yes, and I kind of roll with her. But you, he going, yes. He knows everything? All right, okay. All right, so, so okay. You consulted with Janae. All right, okay. All right, I was kind of asking the young folk, you know. All right, so, so you may get props or, you know, whatever, but is it? Is God going, this is my child, I'm well pleased. Now think about now, when you look in that mirror, is God sitting there right next to you going, yeah, just what I purposed. Or is God sitting there like, with, you know that Newark, New Jersey face I be having? God sitting there going, you can't see, that ain't you? Standing right next to you going, Look harder then. Keep looking. Remember, remember, uh, uh, was it Rafiki? Yeah, was it Rafiki? Look harder. <laughs> right? He's looking in the, in the water, right? Yeah. He was like, no, no, look harder. Yeah, I can see God sitting there going, you don't see it yet. <laughs> look harder. <laughs> right? You got, you got me? Right. All right, so, 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 so it's about maximizing our moments, right? Redeeming the time. That's what that means. Maximize your moments, right? So maximizing your moments. Now, stay with me here. It's going to stretch us a little bit, but we're trying to get to God's masterpiece, right? Um, you remember in the, uh, the dance, uh, Tiana was just throwing away pieces. Now, now, she started out 
trying to create the, the masterpiece herself. Well, she couldn't see where the pieces fit, so she was discarding things that God wants to use because she didn't know how to use them. So she's throwing away stuff, you know, but God shows up and he's picking up pieces that she's discarded. Y'all may go back and look, watch the dance again, see? Y'all ain't paying attention. I was, right? And the interesting thing, if you go back and look at the dance, you'll see everything that was picked up, when, when, when God looked at it, he looked at it different than she saw it. Then it was a couple of things she threw down at the same time. God picked them up and said, hey. Then he went back over to the canvas and put them where they belonged. So that means these pieces were gifts and talents that she was using the wrong way and they wasn't fitting and it was frustrating her. So she threw them away. She stepped on them, walked over them, forgot about them. But the whole time, God is saying, it's not your talent. It's how it's being used. You ain't checking with me to see where it fits. The timing for it. How I actually want to use it where you'll be fulfilled, not just thrilled. Okay? You got me there, right? Got to go back and watch the dance. Like, like, like everything's intentional around here. I'm paying attention. I was paying attention. I'm not too off, am I? Right. See? All right. See? See? Dang, cause I, ain't, I never seen that dance until today. But it's perfect. I still wrote that song now. I'm including that in my playlist. All right, so, so, so we're maximizing moments, and that is accountability and responsibility to your calling and purpose, to God's masterpiece. It's, a, it's accountability and responsibility. Now, as soon as you hear the word accountability and responsibility, what happens on the inside? Is there, is there a peace, or is there, are you uncomfortable? Do you tighten up? Now, most of the people in this room tighten up. Responsibility alone gets you tight. But accountability too, we tighten up because we don't want to be accountable. Now, some of us say we're accountable, but a lot of times we're accountable for the things we're comfortable at. But soon somebody stretches outside of that, and we'll talk about this in I Don't Want to Grow Up on Wednesday, right? We're like, then now, 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 now all of a sudden, we find something else to do. You know, like all of a sudden, like you just, I was okay in the area I've already mastered, you know, where I can go, yeah, so Ms. Lamar, what you want to do is put that over there and do that there. Yeah, you know, I understand exactly what you're doing because when I, you know, like three years ago when I did this, we're good there. But as soon as we, it starts to stretch outside where we have to submit and be accountable and responsible, all of a sudden, our mind goes blank. All of a sudden, our schedule gets busy with good things to do. All of a sudden, now it's time for vacation. Because vacation is not intentional. It's, it's based on how I feel. It's reflex. But it's so interesting how it's always timed out with accountability and responsibility. Isn't that amazing? Go back, go back and map it out. No, no, don't take my word for it. Just go back and map it out. It seems like the extra overtime always lines up with accountability and responsibility. The extra job. The extra responsibilities with family, all of a sudden, is lined up with accountability and responsibility. Ah. Couldn't get that done because I had got to do this over here. Now, now you've been negligent up to that point. 
right, all right, okay, stay with me, stay with me, y'all. I did some cardio today, so I'm good for the first time in ages. All right, right, so so this accountability and responsibility, it's all in. It's emptying out. It's the best first. It's the best only. Look, it's excellence in the moment. Now we're talking masterpiece language. All in, emptying out. You know, one of the things I've been ministering to athletes for ages at every level, and no matter what the athlete is, pro football, pro basketball, pro baseball, whatever the case, how I actually got to have a conversation with them is with this same philosophy. You ever felt like you just left something on the court, on the field? And every time, how you know? Because I'm watching them. And I can see they're not free. They're better than them, but less than their design. They're faster than them, but slower than their ability. And so now we're having a conversation because they don't know why they keep leaving. We call it like, uh, you're running back, you left yards on the field. If you're a basketball player, you left points on the court. You didn't take advantage of every opportunity, right? Why? Because there's something in you that's a, that, that can't empty out. You can't float. You can't let go. You've never, uh, we call it the zone. You've never been in the zone, right? Because you've always been in your head. All right, so stay with me. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with me. Some of y'all relate. Some of y'all relate. I was thinking through this. I was thinking through this. Why do people text versus call people? It's the same reason people stay at home versus coming to church. No, no, stay with me. Come on, y'all. Listen, we're trying to be mature, so I'm not targeting anybody in particular, right? You know why? They do the bare minimum and what's least important. Bare minimum and what's least important. See, texting, I don't have to deal with your response. I don't have to deal with, uh, Pastor Keith, your New Jersey face when it don't make sense of what I'm doing. All I put the text out and I don't have to engage you. I don't really have to take the time to to really say happy birthday or to have a conversation. I can just shoot your message and keep on moving, right? I don't have to deal with no accountability or responsibility, all right? Just think about it, you know. That's why the culture has been trained this way, all right? So stay with me. Why do people do these things? Because it doesn't take their excellence. It doesn't take attention to detail. It takes the bare minimum to do things that where you don't have to connect with people. <laughs> did you sense that? Right? I did. So what, what's happened to God's details for his strokes, his excellence? You know, because excellence is attention to detail. Look, look, surpassing ordinary standards. 
See, see, a masterpiece surpasses ordinary standards. It has a detail. When you look at a masterpiece, when they look at a masterpiece, it's like, whoa, look at the detail of the paint. Look at the detail of the texture. Look at the detail of the strokes. Look at the detail of the creativity. Right? It's detail, right? Attention to what? Detail. Surpassing ordinary standards. Uh, Judges 20, we were reading through Judges 20, uh, was talking about the left-handed people, right? Right? Y'all remember when we were talking about the left-handed people? Right. Um, But but it was talking about uh, their accuracy in slinging stones. Remember, Remember, like, David killed a giant with a stone. You can't normally kill a giant with a stone. You got to hit the giant what? Just right. So you got to throw a masterpiece to take out a giant. Y'all think I'm still talking about David? See, we're trying to take out the giants in our life, but we're not throwing masterpieces. We just flinging stones. (laughs) We reflexing. Like, you said, so hoping it, ah, missed that time, ah, missed that time, ah, missed that time, you know, right? We're just throwing stuff around, right? We're not really trying to be accurate, right? So there's no masterpiece, right? <laughs> right? See, one of the things when, you, when, when God is operating in a, ma- in, in a masterpiece We've talked about this before. Excellence, you're excellence because you are, not because you're asked. See, the bare minimum is, ain't nobody asked me. I would be doing something, but nobody asked me. Attention to detail is I'm looking for an opportunity. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to study what they do. I was a, she might be helping with the children, but... um, so we, we, we do something here production-wise, and I have a, a particular responsibility. I have quite a few responsibilities production-wise that I serve in. Well, one person watched what I was doing, studied it, and they took over the responsibility. They just start, start sending stuff. Hey, hey, I, I, I went through the information already, and I did this for you. I never asked them. So now it's their responsibility. <laughs> See? They didn't wait for, for, them, for them to ask. They studied what is being done and the detail of it. And then guess what? They messed up quite a few times. And they got, hey, it's actually this way. Oh, okay. Then they tried to do that. And then there was other stuff that was missing. So they studied and said, okay, I noticed you keep changing stuff. Because I don't complain. I, I was just serving and helping. And then they says, now, what am I doing wrong? And then I showed them. And then they adjusted there. But you know how it started? It started with them just initiating, being willing to mess up and be corrected. Accountability and responsibility. Not I ain't going to do nothing unless it's perfect and no one can hold me accountable or challenge me. I, hey, if I can't sing the perfect note, I ain't singing. I don't know if that was like an amen. <laughs> I don't know if it was an amen or he's throwing a shot. Right, okay, all right, all right. All right, so, so 
uh, Philippians 1.10. That was good. That was good, David. That was good. That was good. My, my man. My man. All right, so uh, Philippians 1.10, it says, uh, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, okay? Philippians 1.10. I gave you the scripture, and then I'm moving, so we're not here all day, okay? So that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent, identifying the best and distinguishing the moral differences. So, so excellence is not just something that I think is right. It's morally right, too. Right? It says, and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Look, actually living lives that leave, lead others away from sin. Now, that takes some excellence. Right? So, it's not just, am I doing the right thing in my eyes or is this cool? Can other people become God's masterpiece by watching my life? You know, not through your personal preferences, they can't. <laughs> See, personal preferences is, is different from God's prophetic leading. God's prophetic leading leads, leads people to God's masterpiece. Personal preferences may just be what you like, what you're comfortable with. But is that going to lead other people to God's masterpiece? Because, again, remember we read in Isaiah 65, we're playing off of what? God. Now, the former things and personal preferences ain't got nothing to do with it. I'm playing off of God's will, Right? So the scripture says in Proverbs 8, 6, I'm going to give you the scripture, and then I'm going to just go ahead and read it for the sake of time again, right? Proverbs 8, 6, it says, look, here, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Here shall I shall speak excellent things. Well, how can I speak excellent things if I'm not yielding to an excellent God, if I'm not accountable and responsible, right? See, Lack of excellence is not an option in finishing God's masterpiece. Lack of excellence is not an option in finishing God's masterpiece. Attention to detail, emptying out, beyond ordinary standards. It's not an option if we're finishing God's masterpiece. Doing barely enough, just getting by, not going the extra mile is not a consideration if we're trying to fulfill God's masterpiece. And I'll tell you this, somebody might say, well, I'm not trying to fulfill God's masterpiece. You're not going to be fulfilled. We will only be fulfilled at what God designed us for. Not the things that may please others, the things that please God, right? The Proverbs, uh, Psalm 16:3, God says, to the excellent is my delight. Those that are are mindful of the details, that's what I do. Those are the people I delight in, right? And this is the key. Excellence won't settle for the lazy you. Excellence will not settle for the lazy you. Let's go to Hebrews real quick, right? Hebrews 6. I won't rush through this scripture. Hebrews 6, and we'll lock in here at verse 12. It says that you be, that ye be not, I'm reading the King James Version, that ye be not slowful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So it says that you be not slowful. 
uh, just jump, jump down, jump down the road to um, chapter twelve, Hebrews chapter twelve. There's six more chapters away, and we'll lock in here on verse three. And I was talking about Christ. This is book for consider him Christ that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, right? And he's talking about such hostility against the standard of excellence he was presenting to them at the time, right? It says, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. That word faint means to give up. So, so quit starts in your mind. Before it manifests on the outside, it starts on the inside, right? But to be excellent, I can't quit going the extra mile, the attention to detail. Because I'm going to be tempted, eh, what's the big deal? That's not necessary. I'm going to be studying to teach, and I'll be like, ah, eh, this is probably enough. You know? No, 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 no. I'm going to stretch myself. When I purchase a gift, I'm going to be thinking about what I would want, not just so the person got a gift. Sometimes just give somebody a pair of socks if, if I just take socks and throw them away when I get them, right? I'm going the extra mile. I was, I was talking to my son one day, and he had to pick up. This is when he was married. But he had to get this dresser. So, so we go out to a store to get the dresser, and they didn't have it. And so he called back home and says, oh, they don't have it. I said, son, I said, what are you doing? He says, well, they don't have it. I said, son, you didn't even try any other store. I said, it could have been in another store. I said, why didn't you exhaust all possibilities before you retreated on, eh, they don't have it. I said, son, that's a part of being a husband. You got to go the extra mile. You got to do extra, right? Does that make sense? All right, good. <laughs> kind of slipped that one in there, didn't I? Just kind of slipped that in there, right? Okay, I'm not a husband. I'm a wife. Uh, I'm, I'm married to God. We can't go the extra mile. Can't spend another minute in prayer. Can't get up in the morning. <laughs> okay. So, so, so Psalms 27, 13, uh, 27 is one of my favorite chapters. Um, 13 says, David said, I would have fainted. I would have given up unless I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In context of what we're talking about, David said, I would have given up unless I believed to see God's masterpiece of my life. Right? Psalm 27, 13. And so I was talking to somebody this week. And so, so remember I told you, you could see the years, but you can't see the details sometimes. Right? You can mimic the years, but not the details. And so... So through this process, well, that was, we was at that church for 18 years. This is, the church is 13 years old now, so it's actually been 31 years, but is that right? That was kind of quick math, but hopefully I said, <laughs> all right, so, but, but in that 18-year process, like I said, there was misunderstandings. There was, there was a lot of misunderstandings. Actually, I'm a pastor. It's a part of my job. People misunderstand. Before they even ask you a question. They get offended. Like, 
you want to like ask, <laughs> you know, because if you get offended first, that means you want to be mad, right? 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 <laughs> See, if you don't get a lot of rights, that means some of y'all got mad before you even found out to try to get an understanding, right? You see how, how some, sometimes people be amen and quick? Mm-hmm. Right, so, so same thing in my life. I got family members in my life. Sometimes they get offended. You're watching right now. You, you might have gotten offended. You might even be offended. Guess what? I don't know. So it's not bothering me. And whatever you're offended about is your perception. I, I only love people. So I know it ain't me. I'm not even twisted, frustrated, or nothing. And then if you haven't asked me, or the Bible says, if you have ought against any, go to your brethren. That's Bible, right? Is it Matthew 18, right? Nobody's come to me. So as far as I'm concerned, we're in a good relationship. <laughs> so I'm walking up to people smiling and they feeling some kind of way. They're like, what is he so happy for? Don't he know I'm mad? No, he don't. Right? If, if there's something on my heart, you don't even have to guess. You know, don't ever walk up to me and say, are you mad at me? Why? If I'm mad at you, I'll tell you. You don't have to guess with me. I'll, t- I'll tell you. Ain't that right? I wasn't mad at him. I got to clear that up. You know, people be thinking I'm mad. But if, I, if there's something that I have to, you know, work with people, I'll tell them. If there's, if there's some funk running around with you. I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to be like, you funky. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, listen, maybe the reason why people are responding to you the way they are because you keep walking around with that funk. I'm the person that will tell you. Right? I got witnesses, right? Oh, we got a lot of amens on that one, right? You see that? You see how they do me? We got to get some amens on that one, right? And so I told somebody this recently because as you forge in a masterpiece, I gave them a tool that I've been using. If they misunderstood you, why don't you show them then? And then I use, uh, so I taught a message. I didn't realize it was like 10, 11 years ago until uh, I was talking to Minister James. But I taught uh, the message that's the foundation for the book that's come out, uh, Rendezvous with Yourself, right? And so I had a mirror up here. You know, I used a mirror. And so I told the person, I noticed something about mirrors. They don't have no ears. So whatever you see in that mirror, you can try to make excuses. You can try to justify. You could do it. You could try to explain. So when you look in the mirror, you see, you don't see God's masterpiece. You see a masterpiece. You look in the mirror, you see what's frustrating you, right? You see what people are misunderstanding. What's so interesting is you could talk all day. That mirror can't hear you. It's going to keep displaying what you see. And you go, no, 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 Mira, you, you see it all wrong. You're misunderstanding me based on you seeing something you don't like, right? And you try to explain to the mirror how, no, I know what you see, but that's what you see is not really. See, let me explain how you see what you see. Guess what? Mirrors don't have no ears. No matter what comes out your mouth, what is the mirror still displaying? Which, right? So guess what? The only way you're going to change what you see in the mirror it's to change. You got to show the mirror something different. And you'll see something different. So if they're misunderstanding you, hey, no problem. Eat it. Show them. 
when you start showing them, they're going to start saying what they see. Not what you want them to perceive, not what you want them to understand. Because even if they get understanding, it's just making you comfortable at what God wants to change. Let me explain. Why? Change. Oh, spooky. All right, so Proverbs 19, 15 through 16. Proverbs 19, 15 through 16. Again, we're talking about excellence and, and, you know, so God can get his excellent strokes in our life for his masterpiece. So I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. (laughs) Look at this. It says, laziness cast one into a deep sleep. Look, look, unmindful of lost opportunity. And the idle person will suffer hunger. He who keeps and obeys the commandment of the Lord keeps and guards his own life. But he who is careless of his ways and conduct will die. Never even see the masterpiece. See, that laziness clouds us. And we we miss opportunities and we don't even realize it. (laughs) Well, y'all, something else today. All right, 2 Corinthians 4. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 4. And we talked about this the other day. When you hear stuff, just set a target. Don't beat yourself up because I would have, could have, should have. Take the next best step from there. Set a target for where you are going. Start today. You can't go back in time. You know, I was just, somebody was asking a question in one of our sessions. It might have been class, Bible school yesterday. But they was asking a question about, you know, what if you already messed up this thing and the other? Well, you got to take the next best step from where you are. It's faithful. We always talk about the GPS. GPS never tells you, man, back up. You know, I told you to make that turn. It never tells you to back up. It gives you the next best step from where you are. At the next corner, make a right. At the next corner, make a right. At the next corner, make a right. It just turns you around, but you were moving forward the whole time. You never heard a GPS say back up. So God, when he's exposing you to that you missed the wrong turn in your life for his masterpiece, he's not telling you to back up or to look back. He's telling you from where you are, listen to the reroute and make the the next best step from where you are. And don't try to do it all at one time. We'll get into that down the road uh, as we were talking about it in Biden to Christ. I won't get into it right now. All right. So, that's how you go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. It says, for which cause we faint not or we don't give up, but, through, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day, right? So, what it's saying is every time we take a step beyond the messy piece, God's creating his masterpiece, but it's crushing the old person. It's crushing the old man. See, the self-man, male and female, is making way to the love man. 
And so, so that self-man holds on to lazy environments and lazy relationships. See, the lazy, the lazy relationships we've liked in the past only bring us drama and mess to our canvas like Tiana was trying to do, right? So we're adding mess to God's masterpiece because we're not playing off of God or being led by God, right? Right? See, tolerating mess is a lack of excellence. And as we talked about earlier, it can cloud us, right? Because a person that lacks excellence is always okay with the dirt. A person that lacks excellence is always, they're so okay with the dirt, they get used to the dirt. They desensitize to the dirt. They're walking around with the dirt, like pig pen, remember? And the peanuts, right? See, when this happens, we can be tempted to carry the pain and sometimes carry the messy perspective, right, into our lives. Every stroke playing off of what happened to us. Worst case scenarios, messing up God's canvas, right? Because we're looking through the lenses of what the, the mess we made, not looking through the lenses of the masterpiece he's making. You see the difference? You know, we were playing off of, they hurt me. They left me. Well, they couldn't hurt you. They couldn't have left you if they didn't see you. And since you wasn't God's masterpiece, they didn't leave you. They left the mess. They hurt the mess. They ain't hurt you. Ain't nobody seen you since you was born. Think about it. When was the last time you seen you? Who? <laughs> Who? When? Right? So what God does is now he, he, when we come to him, he goes, he recognizes we have a mess. So now he has to test our canvas to see how he can put his masterpiece there. As you saw David operating or... Uh, in the depiction of God, in the, the dance, right? And so, so, so the way he, he checks this, the way we're tested is we're offered things to start the process of being obedient. Remember how I said when you hear accountability and responsibility, people feel something on the inside? Well, how do you think they feel when they hear the word obedient? See, the culture has trained us that obedience is somebody trying to enslave us. And they give us these pictures of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know. So normally they show the same pictures. I, I actually I worked in corrections, so you have to go through training for cultural diversity. And they always show you the pictures of, you know, the people burnt on the train tracks, people being hung, uh, the dogs, or with you know, barking, people being hosed, things of that nature. Not trying to mess up your sensitivities, but since I we're a mature church, I gotta I gotta keep it real with you. Slavery wasn't originated in the United States. We reading through uh, the Bible. Didn't we just read in Judges where because they was disobedient, they were enslaved? Yeah. Well, ain't nobody talking about that. Nobody protesting. See, don't get mad. I know you're in your Black History Month. Don't get mad. Just stay with me here. All right? just, just, just stay with me here. See, because, you know, people are getting all sensitive what our people went through. Okay, our people didn't start in the United States 
40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. We're Christians. Our people started way back then. And the way they got out of slavery was to be obedient. Okay, here you go. I know, I know. He says you wouldn't talk about stuff like that. Well, I'm talking about the Bible right now because I think we, sometimes we just are not really, we're getting clouded with a bunch of mess, right? All right, so, so God offers us obedience. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 6, it says, having a readiness to what? Avenge all disobedience when what? When your obedience is fulfilled. So now that's excellent. Having the readiness to avenge all disobedience, wrong strokes on our campus. When our obedience is fulfilled, the right strokes on our campus. Right? So now the interesting thing, remember I did 2 Corinthians 10, 6. Didn't I say that? I said that, right? Okay. All right, so, 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 so let me ask you this. So going back to that mirror, when I look in the mirror, I'm, I'm actually seeing the results of disobedient strokes. The mirror's going to keep showing those results until what? I'm obedient. Now, now I, can, I can pretend I don't need to be obedient and my statute of limitations, my obedience time has passed. But the scripture is having the readiness to avenge all what? How much disobedience? When what? Because you don't understand the obedience is attached to God's masterpiece. Obedience is not an option. God needs to get what he designed, and that's the only thing that's going to fulfill us in the first place. You see that? So obedience is excellence. Stay with me. What did I just say? Obedience is excellence, right? Obedience is what? What is obedience, Jakir? What is it? So obedience is what? Yeah. Right? I knew he had to answer. That's why I said it, you know. Excellence is God's precise stroke. Obedience is what you care? Excellence. And excellence is God's precise stroke for his masterpiece. Right? Now, now we know this in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 19 through 23. You can write the scripture down. I'm going to give you the backdrop, okay? Just for the sake of time. So we know in 1 Samuel 15... You know, uh, Saul was, uh, I mean, Samuel was giving instructions to Saul. So God always has a man of God that's setting themselves apart to hear from God, to hear the accuracy of our obedience, right? So he communicates to a king. Someone's in authority. Someone is fulfilling purpose as a king. Saul was called to be king, right? So he gave him specific instructions. So they go out and he says, okay, go into the land, wipe out everybody. Don't keep nothing for yourself, remember? They should have learned from Joshua and them, remember? Joshua and them told them to go into the land, don't keep nothing. And Achan took up the accursed thing. And then they start losing battles, right? Something simple, everybody lost because God was creating his masterpiece, right? So Saul and them, they're in a situation and they go in and they, you know, they kept some sheep, you know, kept some gold. So, so Samuel comes back and he says, what's that noise I hear? Now, Samuel's being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. He already knew because God sent him, man, go talk to your boy. There's a disturbance for my masterpiece. So, so Samuel shows up and says, what's that, what's that noise I hear? The, ble- the, the bleeding of sheep? He's like, yeah, yeah, we, we kept the good sheep for God. 
and we kept some gold for the kingdom, you know, just gold. And he says, so God needs your help? What did God tell you to do? What was the precise stroke for his masterpiece? Do you know Saul lost the kingdom for one misstroke? The kingdom was taken away. Evil got into his heart. Because when we think our stroke is better than God's intended stroke, we make ourselves a God. We can no longer be trusted with what God has purposed for our lives. Having the readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. No, no, not when you come up with your justification of it really wasn't disobedience. See, what it is, it wasn't like disobedient disobedience. And, you know, God knows my heart. No, 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 no. Your heart is the one that made the decision. Do you know your heart? God does know your heart. That's why he ain't moving until you're obedient. Right? That's not even a put down. It'd be a shame if you don't have the information, you don't know what to do. But you're being told what to do, and we still don't do it. Still come up with a way to do what we want to do, right? I'm going to share this with you, because the Bible says, he told him, he says, you should have did what God told you to do. He says, obedience is better than sacrifice. See, we live a world where I sacrificed. This really, really cost me. I created my own sacrifice. Obedience was better than sacrifice. It's also better than good deeds. It's also better than what other people would say, man, that was such, such a kind deed. But was it an obedient deed? You know how we do. We'll do something nice and convert that into, see, this is godly. No, it's godly if it's obedience. You see that? Just, just stay with me. Listen, please hear this. Excellence isn't found, obedience isn't found in almost. You'll never find, remember, obedience is, Jakir told us, excellence, right? Excellence, right? Right? So you'll never find obedience and excellence in almost. But we do live this almost life. I almost did it. I almost finished. I almost called you this week. Almost. Well, that time done passed. Having the readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You see that? See, that accursed thing, that messy piece, was in almost doing what God told him to do. Saul almost did what God told him to do. See, God's masterpiece is painted through a life of excellence, precise, accurate strokes of purpose. God's masterpiece is painted through a life of excellence, precise, accurate strokes of purpose. Now, when you hear that, there's a sense, you, there's something on the inside that pulls you a little bit. You know, like uneasiness on the inside. Now, if, it's, if, if you've really been disobedient, you feel like you want to throw up. But, but, but if you've just been struggling with disobedience, you don't feel like you want to throw up. You just feel uneasy. You, you, you ever feel that uneasy feeling? 
<laughs> so I just want to see how many of y'all is going to be obedient enough to raise your hand, right? But that, un that uneasiness is that conviction. You understand? So, so it's not a condemnation, it's conviction. Does that make sense? So the conviction is saying, hey, you can still be obedient. It's just going to be uncomfortable. It's okay. You, you see what I'm saying? It's not, it's not a, like, I, I feel it all the time. Like, an uneasiness, like, man, I just need to do what God told me to do. Right? And I just go do it. You know? When God tells me to do something, just go do it. I ain't looking back. I'm just going to go do it. All right? So, so, so in this process, if you don't feel uneasy, that means you're walking on water. And ain't nobody in here walking on water. So God understands you're going to through, go through a process where you grow into excellence. And he understands there's going to be times when you're not allowing his strokes. He just needs you to quickly recognize it and be obedient from that point. You know, not, not going to the past, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't do that. I feel so bad. God's like, yeah, I don't, you ain't helping me. I don't need you to feel bad. I need you to be obedient. You see what I'm saying? Like when you recognize you need to do something, God is just saying, I just need you to do it. That's all. Right? See, God's whole masterpiece is engineering excellence. See, it's a, it's a supernatural attention to detail. Every stroke ordered is a stroke orchestrated. Every stroke ordered is a stroke, stroke orchestrated. And it, it, it culminates into his masterpiece. You know, that's, that's, that's when the uh, scripture says all things work together, what? For, to them what? Called according to his purpose, his masterpiece. Right? in harmony with his masterpiece. The scripture says, my word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish what I sent it to do or what I please or what I sent it to do. So, so in other words, when I give you the instructions for that stroke, you best believe it's going to produce what I told it to produce. But if you taint it, if you add to it, if you add your fears, you add your intellect, right? You add your past, you're going to affect my word weaken it from manifesting what I purpose to do. But if you do what I told you to do, in the moment, we talked about this in, in a Bible school, just, just be in the moment. Don't be adding what you did before or what happened in the past. And don't be adding, I wonder how this is going to work out. Just be obedient. God told you to just do it. And see what manifests out of that. You know, God is so accurate. That's why we all have a different fingerprint. Because God's beginning his piece to the masterpiece and it's so intricate in how he made us. He fearfully and wonderfully made us. Our fingerprints are such unique strokes to God's masterpiece. The hairs on our head. Like the way our face is shaped, the way we move, our personalities. You know, you know our fire as well as our focus. Right? It's all intricate. And if, if, if we yield ourselves, we can find ourselves in a great place. So I'll, I'll uh, for the sake of time, I'll end with this scripture and a statement, and then, you know, we'll pick up next week, okay? Second Peter 1. You getting something today?
And I get, I know it's a culture of performance and uh, where people make you comfortable in your mess. Uh, but we can't do that because then now we're not being obedient. You know, they'll hype you up in your mess, give you a bunch of lines that tell you your mess is okay. And then you approve it because you're like, see, nobody's perfect. Yeah, but that, that's, that doesn't help us because we're supposed to be striving for accuracy. And the scripture says, be ye perfect as I am perfect, be ye holy as I am holy. That's supposed to be our target. So we're looking for people to stretch us and challenge us into growing into perfection or maturity and accuracy. That's what we're looking for. Uh, so so I'll, I'll share this with you, Second Peter, we're going to get there. So, so I'm, I'm so intricate in how I watch stuff. I'm, obviously, I'm an athlete. I play basketball, um, love football. But when I watch, I watch, we have a culture that diminishes greatness. So there's one particular athlete. Uh, they may have back-to-back games. So what he'll do is he'll play against the sorry team. But take rest when you're playing against the good team. But see, I wasn't from that culture. I'm from the culture if you playing against a sorry team, it's like, it's hard to, like, like I would show up at games and it was like, well, uh, they don't have enough guys. You know, like, they're not here by five minutes. You can forfeit or you can wait for the other guys to come. Like, we were like, oh, we're going to wait. It ain't a game if it's a forfeit. A champion doesn't want to forfeit. Doesn't want to eat. I, I want to measure my greatness against greatness. Not take the path of least resistance. We're looking for the easy way. We were looking for something that's not challenging. We'll never see a masterpiece and we'll never be fulfilled. Because even though you're comfortable with the less than, the less than has a shelf life. It's not designed to continuously fulfill you. It's only, you're going to feel good for moments, but eventually it's going to wear off like chewing gum. You know, it gets sugar for a while, right? But after a while, it's stale. You just chew, you know, And then you, yeah, you need to get another piece, you know. You know, you know that bubble gum don't last that long. You know, you understand what I'm saying? But this is what disobedient or settling for what's comfortable is. It's like the first part of the gum that's sweet, and then after you chew it for a while, stale. But the masterpiece, you can chew forever. It keeps on giving. And that's what God wants us to have, all right? All right, so uh, I told you Second Peter... One, and we'll lock in here in verse 16 and 17. All right. All right, it says, For we have not followed cunning devised fables when we were made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty or his greatness or the masterpiece that God has designed. For he received from God the Father honor and glory uh, when there came such a voice, look, look, such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Now, this is an example of a masterpiece. But that came from a voice of excellence of God. You know, when they, when they have masterpieces, they bring appraisers in to authenticate it. Because sometimes it looks like a masterpiece. Right? But the, the appraiser puts on a different lens and can see the details and go, wait a minute. This paint was from 2022. This can't be authentic. 
this painting was supposed to be from the 1600s. They didn't even make this type of painting back then. This is a forgery. Why? Looking from different lenses. But to the glimpse, it looks like a masterpiece. Right? See, when we come before God, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like he said, this is my son who I'm well pleased because he saw his masterpiece. So, so God is the appraiser. There are many will become, come before me in the last days saying, I cast out demons, I heal the sick, I raise the dead. He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I do not know you. You've never visited my presence with, master, with, with obedience. That's not my masterpiece. That's your messy piece disguised as my masterpiece. You're a forgery. I'm only allowing masterpieces into my masterpiece. Not the front, not the fake, not the phony, not the forgery. You see the difference? You know, it makes all the scriptures line up. So this is the thing. This is the thing. We're designed to be stewards. A great steward of completing our part in God's masterpiece. We're great stewards of completing our part in God's masterpiece. And again, there may be a level of of conviction, but take the next best step from here. You look in the mirror and you're out of shape. Do you think you're going to get in shape just because you look in the mirror? You think you're going to get in shape just because you complain, I can't believe I ate all them biscuits. And then all of a sudden, because you say you, 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 you feel bad about eating the biscuits, pounds just shed off. That's how it works, right? Right? How about this? If you get depressed enough, pounds to shut off. You know, if you get depressed enough, you gain more weight, right? Cortisone and stuff like that start, so hormones start going wild, right? So, so it's amazing, like, you can't get in shape by getting depressed, being mad at yourself, explaining how you got all the weight and justifying how you got it. None of those things help you lose weight. Isn't that amazing? You got to be accountable and responsible with your actions. Oh, oh, but you got to be consistent. You know, because you, you did something consistently to gain that weight, whether you believe it or not. You might not have been paying attention, but you was consistently adding on calories. You was consistently eating the wrong way. You was consistently not exercising. You know how that feels, right? You should. I mean, you, you felt it this morning when you got up. Right? So you're expecting to change what you see by some type of shortcut? Playing the victim. Oh, snapping on people if they challenge you. That's always worked, right? Somebody challenge you, you snap on them. Listen, just leave me alone. Don't put no pressure on me. You know, see, people be judging me. And you just start shedding the pounds, don't you? Matter of fact, you're in the best shape of your life. All that snapping you be doing, that, that, that works. <laughs> Look, Jakar, Jakir over there going. <laughs> he cracking up over there, right? 
Because it does it, does it? You actually have to actually do something. And you got to be obedient and consistent. And you can't faint in your mind. You can't give up. And you can't come up with justifications because, oh, we all went out. Like, you can't tur- turn uh, cheat days into normal days. Y'all know what I mean by that? Because isn't a cheat day supposed to be an exception to the rule? Uh, she said, Pastor Mel said, people said, we already know. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Don't park there. Don't park there. Keep on driving. Drive by. Drive by. Wrong address. Wrong address. <laughs> right? Like, and, and listen, 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 listen. I'm not just saying this. I was up early this morning. Did I want to get up? No. Did I want to go last night? No. It's not about what I want to do. Do you understand that? It's not, it's not even like that. It ain't changing. Despite popular belief, I'm not in shape that I need to be in. That's why I'm doing it. Because I don't just look at the mirror with clothes on. I look at the reality. And there's a whole lot of stuff that was never there before. I'm just just being real, like, just being honest, like, and then I'm putting it in work. I'm like, really? And then God's like, yeah, really? You ain't going to see what you're looking for until you are obedient to what you need to do. So I'm not, we ain't changing nothing on your, your uh, fudging, your accountability and responsibility to your obedience on your jokes, on your laughter, or, or, or your bloviating. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, you're not, all that ain't, that ain't changing nothing. Or your attitude. Well, listen, don't be judging me. Well, I might not, I'm not judging you, I'm not passing a sentence, but I'm accurately telling you what I see. Now, when you look in that mirror, I ain't never seen none of y'all tell a mirror don't judge me. It's amazing. You know what else is amazing? The mirror is telling you everything people have been saying. Why do they get the don't judge me, but the mirror don't? You know why? Because the mirror don't have no ears. No, no voice. What'd you say? Mirror don't care. So I'm going to help you out. I'm your mirror. <laughs> when it comes to being obedient, I can't hear you. I know I get on one person's nerves because I was like, don't make a difference. And they'd be like, no, 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 let me explain. And and, and so I finally took the time, took some hours to explain to the person that the reason why it doesn't make a difference is because it has nothing to do with the information I just gave you. I can hear all your information. I'm giving what God's saying to give you out of obedience. So you can give me all the information. It's not going to change the communication. Because I'm not giving you based on my feelings, and I'm not giving you based on your circumstances or mine. It's not my preference or yours. I'm doing what I just said. In the moment, God gives me something, I'm sharing it. That's it. 
I'm not trying to calculate, well, how are they going to respond to that? Or what are they going through? What are you going through right now? No, because then I might not be obedient. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not, I'm not considering all of that. But I'm also not considering me. Because me is not going to share it. Because I want to be liked too. I ain't no different. I want everybody to like me. Guess what? Everybody don't like everything that I say. And I'll be sitting there. It's like, God, really? That's how we doing it now? Because you got somebody else to say it? No, because they won't. They'll look at what they, what they see, or they'll listen to what they hear, and then they're going to taint what I tell them to say because they want to be liked. But you can't be my servant as a pastor and, and be trying to feed yourself like. So you can keep chasing after the pastor that's, oh, I so love everything he says. It's so wonderful. It's so encouraging. He understands me. And he's making you comfortable at staying there and he ain't going to be at the house when you're crying and you're depressed and you're frustrated and you're afraid to go for the interview. You're afraid to talk to people. You're afraid to talk to the person God told you to talk to because you think they're going to see you as not worthy. But Mr. Comfortable ain't there. What I'm giving you can help you to go and be free without all these other things you're considering. How you look, what they might say. I'm not valuable because I don't believe I have the package that's worthy of expressing myself. That's reality though, right? We're so self-conscious. I know what you're looking at. You could be thinking of somebody looking at something, they don't even notice what they're looking at. You're looking at it. I know what you see. You know, we, we pick with each other all the time. We have conversations. She might think I'm looking at something. I might think, she, like, she ain't paying that no mind. I am. Because I don't like it. You know, we, we both would do whatever we do with our hair. I'd be like, man, I just need to get... I, I said, I need a haircut. She's like, your hair looks fine. I'm like, no, it doesn't. But it's amazing how we notice how our hair don't look fine. But we don't notice how our hold don't look fine. You see how that went over? You see how people just, see how they process that? You notice how your hair looks fine, which is one part of the whole. But you don't notice how your hold don't look fine. Inside now. Right? All right, stand your feet. That's enough for the day. Amen. He got up quick. It's like, good, it's over. <laughs> no more.